This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Air Biscuits. I'm Link. And I'm Red. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we are exploring the question how do we deal with YouTube burnout? YouTubers burning out is something that for, well, you can say for for months has been in the media. It's been in the- In the media. In the conversation, not only on YouTube, but um, in articles about YouTube that have articles gone- Articles in the media. More mainstream, but one could easily make an argument that it's been something that's been a topic of discussion for years. So around I, here, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, around here too. Um, yeah, so we're gonna throw our hat into the mix of the voices that have already spoken about this. Can we be burned out? Throwing uh, our, we're volunteering. Yeah, for 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 uh, YouTuber we're just, implosion. We're just throwing our voice into the mix. So we have a perspective on this. We want to talk a little bit about some of the things that have been said. Uh, I think this, even if you've you've read about this, even if you've seen the other people talk about it, we're gonna be talking about. Uh, our personal perspective on it, how we have dealt with burnout, how we feel about being burned out or yeah. not now. Because I will say that, I mean, it is it is an issue that is uh, very close to us. I mean, it is, is we are, is, we are, why are you yawning, I'm man? I'm sitting here yawning now. You're already bored? You're burned out with this conversation? <laughs> yeah. I was setting a, I, what I was doing At is At least I was don't make an audible noise. I was so setting like a mental. Listeners won't know that you. <gasps> a mental cue. You're yawning when well, I'm talking. I'm do, I did the yawn for the video people. Man, video people. I mean, I didn't really need to yawn. Again, yeah. I did it. As, you did it for also for the audio people because like I heard it. It's a setup. It's a setup. It wasn't intentional. I was hoping that you would yawn. You wanted to when you saw me, didn't you? You thought about it. Well, it's, it's not a. It's not a volunteer. That's man, oh man, I wish I could yawn right now. I saw him yawning. Man, that looks so pleasurable. Contagious yawning. Man. I know it's contagious, but I didn't wish that I. Yeah, but you wanted to really on the inside. <laughs> what I was trying to say was, we have certainly dealt. I, well, I wouldn't say dealt with it as if it's something only in the past, but there's been acute moments of it. And I think, you know, so I think that. And cute moments. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get into all that. I'm saying that, I'm saying it, it's gonna get a little juicy. This is not just, um, this is not just an academic exercise in conversing about other people's burnout, but yeah. it's deeply personal to us. And um, what, what, you know, for what it's worth, we'll share our experiences, plural, yeah, uh, with burnout. And I think it will be, uh, I think it could be helpful to anyone who is self-employed. I mean, I think it could be It could be helpful to anyone, period, who could be burned out in anything vocationally mm -hmm. uh, or with anything. But I, I think it will especially be helpful to those who are content creators, but also those who are self-employed and you kind of make your own schedule and the traps that you can fall into mm -hmm, given mm -hmm. that. So we'll get into all that. Um, but we did want to, on a lighter note, first just I I I'm a verbal processor, so I need to verbally process what happened to us at a party recently because I think that there's there's something I need help. There's something I need I need I just need to learn from it. And at this point, I'm baffled. 
And I, I feel think, like I need more help than you because you I, you but, abandoned me in the midst okay, of this okay, story. Okay, well then I feel like tell. at some point I may need to uh, apologize. Okay, well, I expect so, it. So you know what I'm talking about, so I'll, I'll let you take the lead and then you can yawn at me as a signal when, when you expect me to apologize. Okay, so how can I put this? We do not typically frequent Hollywood parties. It isn't something that we have made a part of our lives. Mm -mm. Um, but we are in this town to, for better or worse, play the game a little bit. And there are other things that we're trying to get off the ground and other projects and ambitions that we have that hopefully will become things that you may or may not enjoy in the future. And one of the ways that that happens is you gotta play this, you gotta play this PR game a little bit, right? Uh -huh. You gotta be seen at certain places. Um, you gotta stand on red carpets and do your prom pose with one leg in the air. So you you are who you're seen with, I think is yeah. what you may be reducing um, Hollywood to yeah, as a game. But I will also say, practically speaking, you know, you relationships drive projects and 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 right. getting things going. So a lot of it, yeah, a, a lot of it is who you know. You know, it's it's not about having the best idea solely or having the being right for a part. We're not actors, but let's say you are. You know, it's sometimes it sadly it it comes down to who you know. I mean, that's, I think I'm an actor. And those are two different things. So like being, having your picture taken with somebody yeah. is, it, that feels nasty to me. Yeah, well. But, but the thing that I'm okay with, and, and you know what? I'll do that. I'll do a little bit of that and see what happens. But I also, I'm trying to meet people who are, are doing things that you could potentially work together, yeah. and that's not too dirty, right? No, no, it's just part of life, but I, I will also say. And these say, things happen at parties a lot of times. I will say that that's not my only, my motivation, maybe in equal measure, mm -hmm. is just to have a good time. I mean, I like to go places, you know? We, and I'm just curious. We took our, we, we, we took our wives, and we are uh, invited to this party, you know, Hollywood we, party. We anticipate that there's gonna be people there that we might recognize from television and film maybe even the internet. Um, it's just, a, it's a fun atmosphere, so I don't wanna sell it short. I don't wanna say that, oh, this is drudgery and I'm just no. going to build relationships. No. I'm saying the initial motivation is from a PR standpoint, but then in the midst of it, I'm like, well, I'm gonna have a good time. You know, I, you don't get many nights out when, you, when you've got children. It just doesn't happen, right? So. Um, because, the, I mean, the fact is, we we're not invited to, to Hollywood parties, but then at a certain point, there is a there are people who you can work with who get you invited to parties. I mean, it sounds again that sounds yeah, but that's just a little a, odd, right? That, no, that's just how the industry. But works. but I didn't know that. I was just like, oh, there's parties, and you know people you're invited. But there's like parties. There might be a party put on by a brand, and then they're like. People come to these people. Yeah, and, and well, and might I say that there are people who might get, I not say it get you invited to a party. Get you yeah. invited to a party. Yeah, but it, what what I was gonna say is we go into these that situations sad, with a 
uh, a chip on our shoulder. I mean, we talked about the chip on our shoulder already. I know uh, those of you who are, are mythical beasts are like, guys, I don't understand. You guys do this thing for this audience. And uh, yes, you're right. And what we have is amazing, but there's still a lot of things that we wanna make. And there are these, there's gatekeepers uh, standing at the gates of, of, of these gates that we wanna go through professionally. Uh, cre- well, let me say creatively. It's not just professional, it's creatively. Yeah, uh, like a movie. But when we come into, so when we go into that party, we kinda know that, okay, well, we're going to see people that we know from things that we like to watch, but it's probably not, it's not unlikely that we're not going to be seen as, oh, you're those guys from that thing I watch because a lot of these people are probably not watching Good Mythical Morning or listening to Ear Biscuits, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I gotta say that I go in with a little, with a chip on my shoulder and I'm, and I'm self-aware and I'm self-conscious to begin with, right? right? It's like when you met like we don't belong. You met Josh Brolin backstage at Stand Up to Cancer in the little holding room yeah. where all the celebrities were. Let me tell you, that was the most celebrity I've ever been around. I mean, we got freaking Thanos right there, right? Uh, and then there was other. There was um, Sophia, Sophia from Modern Family, and then you got Maria Manunos. Uh, right over here, and d- d- just you know, people that people know. Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin was in there, so. Uh, and, and Josh Brolin is facing away from me, and I'm like, I gotta talk to him and maybe take a picture and send it to my kids and, because Lily will freak out. And you're very good in this in this setting. I I do not enjoy. I, I'm not good at just going up and beginning to talk to people. You literally left that room, and I asked Jenna to find you and bring you back. I was very crowded. I'm a very big man. I'm like yeah. a I'm like a Great Dane in the midst of a bunch of chihuahuas. And, and I just, I feel out of place and I just, I gotta get out, man. Not only do you have a chip on your shoulder, but it is it is at a high elevation. Yeah, you can't even see the chip because the shoulder is above your face. But yeah, I'm self-conscious too, so like I, I was like, at the moment that I was about to say, Josh, and get him to turn around, I was so n- nervous that I was convinced that his name wasn't Josh. <laughs> yeah, so you're doubting of, yourself. Instead of saying, you know, I get that like, name fright that I'm like, I'm gonna say the wrong name. So instead of saying any name, at the last second, I was like, oh, I don't think his name is Josh. And then my right <laughs> hand went up and grabbed you, his you, shoulder. You touched Thanos' shoulder? I, gra- I I didn't tap it, I grabbed it. And I was oh like, gosh, I didn't hey see this. man. And he turned around and I was like, I think I said, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, I just wanted to meet you. Or something like that. And then I was like, um, then you came over there and I was like, can we get a selfie? Um, and I was like, Jenna was with us. I was like, Jenna, can you take a selfie? He was like, <laughs> get. And then he laughed and said. She can't take a selfie because it would just be a photo not, of that That's point. a photo. Right. Right. But then you also said. Yeah. We're big on the internet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I said it as a self-deprec. I, I knew kn- it was self-deprecating. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah, yeah. he didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, 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 right. Because he didn't know I me knew. from the internet. I, I've I've known you for quite some time. Right. So, so you, I knew exactly what you meant, but I knew that in in typical Link fashion, only Link and me knew what you meant, and everyone around did not. Right. And so Josh Brolin says, "It doesn't matter." <laughs> what he meant was. I don't need you to be big on the internet to take a picture with me. Right. So then he puts his arms Which around us. Which was gracious, but also kind of embarrassing. He puts for his him arms to, around to us to take this picture. 
and then somebody walks by and he's like, these guys are big on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I got my picture, man. Yeah, you did, you did. And we, is, we put it on Instagram. We did, it was it a little was blurry, but it was blurry. dark back there. Yeah, and, and that was that was ages ago. But, 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 but you're, so you're using you're that good as a that. point to then say that was, again, going into this party that we're now talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, we were squirrely. I like, I know that you're gonna initiate some conversations with people and I'm pro and I'm gonna like get in on those conversations. So I'm thinking about that a little bit. Um, but of course, it's, it's, at a ho it's at a hotel and there's a bar. So sort of the first thing you do when you get to a party like this is you go to the bar and you get a drink. Right, if you're like walking around mingling and you don't have anything to eat or drink in your hands, it's like, that just, you seem sad. It's like you gotta have, you gotta be consuming something so that you feel like, I'm not just looking for someone to talk to, yet I'm not talking to yeah, you. You can't have two free hands at a party. Can't have if two you've got two hands. free right. hands That's at it. a party, you are, you're nothing but a threat. You, you, you just look like a complete moron. Look at that guy with two free hands. He can do anything. He right. has, he, he's got the advantage in yet, a bad way. He's doing nothing so that, yeah, yeah, yeah. what a two, pitiful person. Two useless hands just sitting there. I bet, I bet he's big on the internet, Right. period. So I go to the bar. And let me say that I'm also, uh, I'm not good at bar. You know, I'm not good at the whole bar thing. I thought I was fine at bar. And I'm sit, I'm right there beside you, I got my elbow, I got my elbow up, you know? It's like, I'm a little cash. You yeah. Know? I'm not stiff about it. And I, and, and you know, again, I'm always self-conscious about how big I am. I'm like, everybody can see me up here, I'm towering over everyone. Yeah. I've got this checkered suit on, well that was a mistake. And that, and you're doing the lean, so I start doing the lean, and then I see that there's all these people at the bar, and there's three bartenders, and I just did the math really quickly, and I was like, it's gonna take a while to get the bartender's attention and then get a drink. And meanwhile, I'm seeing people from, oh, that's the, that's the dude from Westworld. Um, there's the, one of the, there's one of the women from Handmaid's Tale. You know, the, these shows that I enjoy. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I'm at a bar with these people. That guy looked like a male stripper, but with clothes on. Mm. There are a lot of those type of guys I didn't, there. I, do, I, I didn't, I didn't notice. Oh, okay. okay. Interesting. So I then begin to see that the bartender is, He's asking people to the side of you and to the side of me what they want, and I'm like, just kind of, I'm. We're both leaning in at this point. Well, what, I was just waiting for him to make eye contact, make eye contact, and ask what we would like. That seems like a reasonable expectation. And then after 15 minutes of that not happening, I start to think, well, maybe we need to do something, like lean in more. Like, can I? Should I give more elbow? Like, and you don't wanna make constant eye contact. It wasn't like I was f following him like a hawk. But maybe, and so I started doing that. And like I'm looking at you and like I'm murmuring, but I don't wanna, I don't want him to hear me murmuring because. You don't like, wanna look desperate. If he gets. You're already just big on the internet. That's the problem. If he knows, if he knows that I'm murmuring about, about him, then that, you then he's, down. he's probably not gonna wanna give me a drink at all. And that's why you then left me? That was, I mean, that was another 15 minutes. No, we, it wasn't 30 minutes. I swear we waited there 20 minutes. You may have been there 20 minutes, and then you left. And, and then, I, no, I looked on your face, and like, I was getting angry. I, I mean, I know when you're getting angry. There's, it's like, your eyes start to water a little bit. Not in a, I'm about to cry kind of way. It's like, I'm about to explode. Okay, I And like, this. Christy and Jesse were, were talking, they were right behind us, and 
I don't know, it's just like you're there with your woman and you can't even get her a drink. Yeah. And it's like, I, start, start, I, I did. I got angry at the guy because then you I started to feel very small. I felt like I was being purposely avoided. Everybody around us, like multiple people, were coming up getting drinks. Eventually, they'd wait ten minutes, and it, and it wasn't and like they were. Fla- they weren't flagging him down. He was just looking at them he and asking. Had, and he had peripheral vision. There's no doubt that the man was seeing us constantly in his periphery. Yeah, and then what I, is it about us? I was it, like, he yeah, knew it. He yeah. knew we were from the internet. He saw us and he was like, "There it is, a big guy with a plaid suit." And his buddy <laughs> from the internet. They're from the internet. They're big on the internet. I'm not going to serve them. And of course, we didn't yeah. actually think that. I'm joking, but subconsciously, you start to search for any reason why this jerk is not giving us yeah. a drink. So to to make an already long story, so uh, then I a left. Shorter. You got you look Link, like you want to implode. So I left. Link leaves. Of course, now I have to re- I have to order all four drinks for everyone. Now I'm going to look like a total douche, and. But then my wife comes up and she's like, "Why are you still here?" And I'm like, "God, won't the guy? Why are you still here? Why are, the guy won't take my order?" And, I, and by that time, I had said, "Hey, man, can you help me after you help this guy?" And oh. he was like, "And he was like, okay." Yeah. What? And then he jackass. still then he still didn't do it. I'm then so Jesse, angry at that. Then guy. Jesse got up there and Jesse, because I was like, maybe it's he's just ignoring the men. She spoke to him. She spoke to him. He's like, okay. And then another five minutes pass, and then he's like, comes back up to her. He takes the order. And then another 10 minutes pass, and he has made other drinks for people. And then Jesse is like, are you making our drinks? And he's like, oh, what did you want? What? Yeah, did I, you not I, know this? No, I, I never heard this story, and I'm so angry about There's it. There's absolutely no way it was not intentional. All right, I want to learn. No way it here's was what not I intentional. Want, what I thought I wanted to learn was how to do bar, but now what I've learned is, if that happens to me next time, I'm gonna ask the guy, it was like, why are you not asking me if I want a drink? You, you, I mean, am, what am I missing, bartender? Like somebody, and maybe if you know, hashtag Ear Biscuits, if you're a bartender, please let me know what you think we're doing wrong. And you don't, you can say, because I don't want to be rude. You can say perhaps and then tweet at us so that you're not making us feel like idiots. But I, I just wish we would have asked the guy, like grabbed him by the collar. And choked him till he almost died, and then let him go at the last second and yeah, ask him, that's little, "Why did that's you excessive. not make us a drink?" That's a little excessive. Like, yeah, I don't think we should. We should grab him. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, but I would have just asked him. I went to another bar is and there got a, a drink. Is there a hand signal? There was a second bar. Is there a hand signal? Is there a wink? I is don't there a know. whistle? Is a is a whistle system? I didn't hear anybody else whistle. I don't know. I don't do bar well. I'm embarrassed about it. My theory is. We were not talking to each other or anyone else. We were just waiting to order a drink, and it seemed like, too desperate. We seemed we we stared at him too much, and he didn't like it, and right. he wanted to teach us some sort of lesson. Well, he did. We won't do that again. So, ironically, with this YouTuber creator chip on our shoulder, we're going to dive into what it means to be burned out with so many YouTubers experiencing it along with us over the years of our career. But before we get into that, we wanna let you know that Ear Biscuits is supported by 23andMe. Mm-hmm, 23andMe is a DNA testing service that can offer insights into your ancestry, health, wellness, and traits. Now, DNA testing service, they're not testing whether you have DNA. Because you probably do. Because you probably do. They're the, testing the other stuff. The 23andMe Health and Ancestry Service includes reports on how your DNA can influence your weight, sleep quality, caffeine intake, caffeine. sense of taste, 
whether you are likely to be lactose intolerant and more. It's like reading your book, you know when you say. Uh, your biology I'm book. I'm reading your mail. Oh, he's really oh. reading my mail. They really almost literally do if your mail is your DNA. It's easy it. to do. We've done it. Yes. You simply spit into the tube provided in your 23andMe kit and mail your saliva sample back to the lab to be analyzed. And anytime I can spit into something and mail it and it not be <laughs> like I'm trying to creep somebody out. <laughs> <laughs> right. I take advantage of it. Yeah, that's cool. So they have this bitter taste report uh, about whether or not you prefer sweet or salty foods, and you probably already know whether you prefer sweet or salty foods, but it's amazing because I knew that I was a salty guy, I'm a savory guy, that's that's what I've always liked. And that is supported by an analysis of my DNA. It's like, it's amazing that you can look at it and tell, oh, you're pretty likely to like also salty got foods. sleep reports. The deep sleep report tells you if you are more likely to be especially deep of a sleeper um, sleep movement report tells you how much you're likely to move during your sleep based on your DNA. I, I gotta go back into my report because I didn't know about that. It's, the, yeah. it's just fun. You gotta read your report, man. Order your 23andMe Health and Ancestry Service Kit at 23andMe.com slash ear. That's 23andme.com slash ear. This ear biscuit is also brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step -step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. There's something for everybody with HelloFresh's selection. There are three plans to choose from. That's classic, veggie, and family. And each week, there's a 20-minute meal on the classic menu for when you really don't have more time than that. Who doesn't have 20 minutes? Come on, you've got 20 minutes. You're hungry. Do it. Eat it. Rediscover the excitement of cooking. Global Eats options uh, bring authentic international dishes and flavors to home cooks for exciting new meals. I like exciting new meals. I like simple and convenient. It's not a chore, because it's delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging. Uh, you can reuse it for other things. <laughs> you know, I put, a, I put my hand in there. And just use it as a glove. You use it as a hand. <laughs> I, was, I just put my hand in the insulated packaging and hand just walked box. around and was like, don't mess with me, kids. <laughs> Dad's got on the hand box. <laughs> Give him space. There are many benefits of subscribing, so you can keep enjoying HelloFresh week after week. The account is easy to manage with the ability to choose your delivery date to match your ever-changing schedule and pause deliveries for when you are on vacation. Let me throw out a couple of delectable options. Do it. Sriracha cha-cha chicken what? with hoisin, roasted sweet potatoes and broccoli. Did you add the cha-cha or is that part of the name? Part of it, man. Wow. Crispy chickpea tacos with roasted bell peppers and guacamole. Wow. Okay, I'm hungry. For a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com slash EAR60. That's EAR60, and then enter the code EAR60. Again, that's a total of $60 off, which means $20 off your first three boxes, HelloFresh.com slash EAR60. And now on with the biscuit. I've watched a lot of videos, read a few articles um, over the past hour in preparation for this discussion. And I, you know, I will say, we, we rarely uh, speak into the, the YouTube community in terms of like things that YouTubers are discussing, like we, because uh, you know, Good Mythical Morning is not really the venue for us to talk about those things. We're not that type of content creator. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we're having this discussion, but you know, I really feel for, I, I, I just find myself in a, you know, in a place where I, I'm just feeling for people 
all these YouTubers who are saying they're burned out. Now, I will say as a side note, I'm also still looking for, um, looking through all the YouTuber suggestions, YouTube content suggestions of as things that we need to be watching that we will actually personally enjoy and find our little corner of YouTube. Um, I thought we were gonna talk about it in this episode, this air date, but now we're gonna talk about it on the next one. So thanks for all your suggestions. We're watching and we are getting to that, but. Yeah, and for right now, we're just talking about this. For those of you who don't know exactly what we're talking about, I'll give you a quick rundown, quick summary. So, uh, many different YouTubers, uh, this is not a recent phenomenon necessarily. People, uh, YouTubers have been talking about being burned out, trying to maintain relevance on YouTube for a while, but uh, like Link said earlier, the mainstream media has begun to notice uh, this year especially, and there's been a lot of articles about it, and actually YouTube uh, has been engaged directly with this, and Robert Kinsel has been um, has said, you know, he's responded to this. He sat down with Casper Lee, a content creator, and answered a bunch of questions about YouTube, and this was one of them. Talked about burnout. So we're going to get to like YouTube's response to this to this crisis, which really is a crisis, in a little bit. Um, but essentially, the basics are that there are certain aspects of the YouTube platform. Uh, it's probably best summarized as the YouTube platform, specifically the YouTube algorithm, which suggests videos for you to watch, rewards people who are highly engaged with their audience and create consistent content. Um, and it is the very reason that we ended up doing Good Mythical Morning starting in 2012, and it's the reason that we've built a company, it's the reason that we're talking to you right now from this studio, is because we got really, really lucky and kind of in, in, in sort of backed our way into creating daily content that was the right length, that was right time, right place, rewarded by the algorithm, and now everyone has sort of seen that one of the tried and true formulas for remaining relevant on YouTube is to make a steady stream of content, ideally daily, at least a few times a week on a regular schedule that doesn't have any breaks, and that expectation has led to a lot of people feeling like they cannot stop giving themselves to their audience, and if they do, they're gonna fade away into obscurity. And what's happening- Because the machine, you know, this little slice of the, of the theory, because you guess as a creator how the machine of the YouTube algorithm works mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, and one of those ways is, well, if, if you have a certain rhythm and then you change that and you know, so your channel goes dark for a few days or a week or a month or because you wanna take a break. Is it, is it not literally going to be served up? Your video is not gonna be served up as much to that audience anymore. So it's- And that struggle has led directly to the mental breakdown of a number of high profile YouTubers who have made videos about the meltdowns, the burnouts that they are they are having, which I do believe is a mental health issue, uh, and they've taken breaks, they've quit, they've left the platform, or they've just been very vulnerable with their audience and kind of explained what's going on, uh, and now YouTube is basically being called out by a number of publications. What YouTube, what are you going to do about this crisis? Um, and I will say another factor that's not the YouTube algorithm, but something uh, something that happens with a lot of audiences, 
is that they get really upset if if you don't keep your rhythm. Like if you have a daily, vi- if you're a gamer who has daily video or three videos a day, Jacksepticeye for example, who has multiple videos a day and then you feel like you gotta stop, you'll get complaints from your audience. I'm not saying he got complaints but I think he anticipated that. There certainly have been other creators over the years who have you know, you, you, you'll see them, you'll see creators miss a day or miss their rhythm and then they have to post an apology video because not the algorithm but their audience comes after them with vitriol. Is that a word? They upset. Um, so I will say that's another factor. It's not just the, the machine. Yeah, and I, so related to that, I have seen, um, a, the majority of fans, uh, when these people have come out and said, I'm having a breakdown, I have to stop. The majority of fans have been supportive. Now, a not uh, not very, very small, uh, but very, very vocal minority has basically said, pull your pants up, man. You know, first world problems. You're living the dream. You're sitting in your bedroom making videos, and now you're complaining about how you're having a burnout. And I, I, don't, I think most of you guys listening to Ear Biscuits probably don't even need to have that explain why that's that's a ridiculous perspective on this, um, because it, these are these people are not making this up. They're dealing with very very real issues that have resulted from this expectation that has been placed on them. We're going to get into a little bit of the ins and outs of of what might be contributing to that. But I will say that, you know, so being a successful YouTuber is an incredible privilege. Um, and the factors that lead to popularity are very often outside of the creator's control. I kinda hinted at that early, earlier, we've talked about this before, there's, the entertainment business is is um, as a whole, but also on YouTube. It's just YouTube is, an, is another side of it. There's just so many things that you can't control, you can't anticipate, and that will lead to your sudden relevance and popularity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't. There's there's a lot more people working very very hard for a very long time than there are those that break through and somehow make it to the quote unquote top. And we. Uh, have somehow managed to maintain relevance for a, a very long time, and hard work has been a big part of it. But pure luck, it, right place, right time, has been a huge part of it as well. Right, hard work for me, luck for you, and yes. that's a great combination. Right, it works. <laughs> uh, but I will say, this is not easy. Okay, um, I'm, I'm speaking for us. I'm also speaking for other YouTubers who have, uh, who do this for a living. This is not an easy business. Engineering was much easier. Being an engineer was, for me personally, significantly less stressful, significantly less time consuming, significantly less difficult than being a YouTuber, okay? Oh yeah, not even, not even in the same ballpark. 
So I do, so because a lot of people would be like, what, you're, this is easy, you're doing something, you're living the dream. Yes, we are living the dream. It is not easy. <laughs> so I do wanna say that right up front. I think it's important to understand that. And, uh, I, and I'm, I'm, you know, I would imagine that anyone who starts their own business, like starts a restaurant, I hear how difficult that is. That, that makes sense to me. You yeah. know, I feel like there's, you know. That's it's, a great analogy. We're, we're starting our, we start our own business. Every it's ab, it's been absolutely up to us, and for a, the longest time, it was just us. And it's like it, opening a restaurant, but you are the restaurant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have like if you want to run a successful restaurant, you have to be there. There, are, I can't think of any examples of people opening restaurants and not being there every night. Very few examples. That's what it takes to be successful at a restaurant. But what if you were the restaurant? That that's a, that's a that's a perfect comparison, right? So I mean, for us, it was, I mean, this. Okay, we've got to make a go at this. This is this is what we're trying to do. We've got we've got families. We've got kids. We got mouths to feed. We're 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 putting up videos, and we had. I mean, early on, we hadn't discovered uh, the daily rhythm of of Good Mythical Morning and it was it was nerve-wracking back then when it was one video a month that could, you know had to top the last one and it and you could up you could spend all this time and effort and money and pour yourself into it and then there could be a glitch or something with YouTube and then it's like nobody sees it or it it, yeah. it severely underperforms and it, you're going from video to video that way um I mean, so we have the luxury of Good Mythical Morning being what it is now. Yeah. But I mean, I very much relate to the gamers who are putting up videos every day. You know, Sean Jack Septica, he was in here. He he's he took a break and prepared his audience. And it you know he sadly he had to be apologetic about it. I just wish you know that it just kind of had that tone of an apology when it's like, you know what, he's making a decision, a strong decision for his own mental health to take a break and he's and he's communicating properly. That's something to be celebrated. But he he made a video every day for like over four years and then he talked about there were weeks at a time when he didn't leave his house at all. He vlogged about it, he told me about it when we were at the sink trying, trying to wash that nasty smell off our hands after we shot the that episode. Yeah, of the intestines, and I mean, I relate to that even now. It's like it's a position of privilege to have some millions of people watching every single day, but it's this pressure that, like, okay, when's it when's it going to decline? When's it going to stop? When am I going to? I can't let go of this thing because the bottom could fall out. I very much relate to that, um, and I think that's you know, not you know, when I was comparing it to engineering earlier. Um, again, this is for me personally. I'm not saying there are not engineers out there who work harder than I do, but I'm saying that Rhett the engineer versus Rhett the YouTuber, there's not a comparison. Um, it's not just about the hours. I mean, it is the hours, partly. There's We spend a lot more time on this than we did as engineers, but it is the personal tie to it because it is you, it is you putting yourself out there it is you, as we joke often, and it's kind of a joke, but not really. Mm -hmm. The reason it's funny is because it's true. Um, 
you have a tendency to want to construct your self-image out of the audience's reaction to you, and you begin to become the you that has been created in the eye of the audience. And the and that audience uh, expects you to be a certain way because they got in at a certain point, you did something uh, at a certain point in their lives, and there's this really unhealthy codependence between a creator and the audience. It is like the the perfect picture uh, of codependency. Yeah, um, I mean, Philip DeFranco, he talked about how your self-worth becomes connected to how many people are watching you. 100%. And then if it's not that you have 800,000 views on this video, it's that you had a million on the one yesterday or the one last week and now it's, what, is this an indication of something of a of, of the bottom starting to drop out of this thing? And, and that relationship, I, I would argue, is the the setting for mental unhealthiness in both parties, especially both the creator and the audience. Because yeah, here, here and here's another. Go, go ahead. I don't, well, I was going to say you off. people say all the time, and I'm incredibly grateful. I'm incredibly grateful that people say that. Uh, Something that we created actually made a tangible difference in their life, in their emotional or mental life. It's incredible. Again, never intended for that to be the case. Was just trying to make people laugh. But the way that this community has been built, and this isn't true just of us; it's true of many different YouTubers. You start to feel if you take that away, you're 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 hurting people. But if someone so, I mean, is building at least subconsciously, if someone is building their self-image and their emotional health around your content. And then they're, they're setting themselves it. up for as, as big of a burnout as you're going as you're going to experience when you quit giving them the content. It's just not it's not a healthy thing for either party to view their mental health in light of the content, and regardless of what side you're on. And sometimes, when you start to experience this dynamic, you you make creative decisions that make it worse. You know, uh, Felix PewDiePie. He 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 was talking about the dynamic of, well, if your views start to slip, then you you start to try things to connect more, to drop the facade, maybe cry on camera, get more personal, share even more of yourself because that works as a, and that can that very easily becomes dangerous when it's like you know. You're you're giving more of yourself in order to stave stave off the turning tide, mm -hmm. you know. In the, the that the Verge article, I don't know if you read that. I was yeah. reading that. They talk about an expectation of upbeat intimacy. So there's there's this pull between okay, you've got to be somebody publicly who's who's so authentic and giving everything to your audience, but you got to be happy about it. Or ironically, you can play the "I'm falling apart" and this is my ploy, you know, right? To uh, to, uh, to recapture even when somebody my audience. when somebody has a breakdown and they come back, or they make the video about the breakdown and then they come back and they are different. They're transformed. They're more raw. They're more real. Again, the the, the tendency of humans is for the creator to begin to find their identity in that in their new self that they've created for their audience, and their audience begins to find some sort of comfort in this new person that they're getting their entertainment from. Again, 
we're talking about the very negative side of this because the overwhelming majority of the, the, the relationship that we have with our fans and what we get from our fans is positive. So don't, I don't, don't think that I'm painting this as this is a, this is a bad thing. It's, well, uh, it's ultimately a, ver a very good thing, but. Well, we're describing what, what I'm hearing from other creators. I think it is good to, to describe our actual experience. Yeah. You, you know, so because there's always a tendency towards making unhealthy decisions and you know, we've tried to navigate that over the decade. Yeah, well, plus. I mean, so I've shared a little bit about a few of these things, um, but I'll kind of give you the whole, the whole context here of kind of what happened to me last year. So as you know, in, um, was it October? <clears throat> when did we start the new version of Good Mythical Morning? That's when it came out, yeah. Okay, so, I believe. Uh, you know, the new version of Good Mythical Morning. So one year ago. Uh, which we called, Internally, we called it GMM 22. The reason we called it that is because uh, it was that season of YouTube was unlike every season before. I mean, was, that season of GMM. That, yeah, that season of GMM, unlike every season of GMM before, was financed by YouTube. So YouTube said, you're not gonna be doing the AdSense thing that you've been doing. We wanna come in and we wanna pay you guys to make this show and here's what we wanna do. We're gonna give you this money to make the show, but we're gonna give you the kind of money that you would be getting to make a television show, and we wanna make the content add up to at least 22 minutes a day, and we want it to be multiple segments every single day. Again, we talked all about it last year. People were like, you guys are trying to make more AdSense. Well, the reality is YouTube came and said, we wanna pay you guys to make more segments every single day, and so we said, this is a great experiment. We've been looking for something to shake things up. Let's do it. And nothing about YouTube approaching us with that opportunity. Um, we're not critical of them doing that in any way. No, we, no, no. We yeah, jumped yeah. to the opportunity, and we are we are I have we are not now critical yeah, of I YouTube. I have absolutely zero regrets about it. It was all uh, it. Well, it is. It was difficult. And I'm going to tell you why it was difficult. But we we would never go back and not do it because it led to where we're at right now. Now, here's what here's what happened. Um, there was kind of a combination of things that happened at the end of the year. So, you know, we had uh, our book that we've been working on. We had season two of Buddy System that we were working on. We had the new GMM that we were getting ready for. And I'm probably not even thinking about something else that we were working on. But basically, we were packing every single hour of every single day uh, within reason. I don't know how many hours we ended up working a week. It probably averaged out to 60 to 70 or something like that with all these entertainment responsibilities and then this new GMM came along and it took an incredible amount of time but it also wasn't, you remember this, it wasn't received well by a lot of people. Eventually it kind of leveled out and people were happy for the most part but we got, we've had a lot of backlashes over different things but there was a, there was a backlash, we tried to address it Right here on Ear Biscuits, I was obviously upset about it. People thought I was being super defensive and I was criticized for that. I I didn't deal with that very well. But the probably the bigger thing other than f feeling like something we were doing wasn't working was just how much we had done last year and how much we were signing up for that I knew would just continue right into January. Mm -hmm. So a couple of things happened. You remember I was struggling with this like uh, throat thing in the fall. Um, 
Thought it was allergies, thought it was acid reflux, never really pinpointed exactly what it was, but it was new, it had never happened before. I remember making fun of you yeah. a lot. And then the second thing that happened was, um, kind of right in the middle of a shooting GMM, I was sitting there reading an email one day and I was like, I can't see this email, like it's distorted. And I like look at my eyes and I realize there's something wrong with one of my eyes. Long story short, I get diagnosed with a condition called central serous retinopathy, which is a temporary condition. Retinopathy. Retinopathy, in which the, um, basically the back of your eye, right, where the retina comes into your eye, um, where the nerve comes, the, the, the nerve comes in, the, the eye is sort of filled up with fluid, it's detached a little bit, kind of the same symptoms that you would have in a detached retina. And it's temporary, like 80% of the time is temporary and heals on, on its own. Uh, it lasts about six months or so. And this condition was observed, so that it was sort of first recognized when World War II pilots were coming back from the war and many of these pilots who've been in these incredible stressful situations had this condition. So the literature is a little split on this, but it's it, lots of lots. there's a lot to suggest that it's stress-related. I knew at the time that it was stress-related because sure. I was having these physical problems kind of mount up. I was thinking, I don't know how we're gonna keep up with the schedule. I'm looking to 2018 and thinking it's gonna be crazy. And my wife um, says, you have to go to therapy. You are manifesting all this stress physically, which is a real thing, and you've gotta deal with this. A, next year cannot be like this year. So I mean, there was a lot of promises I made. One of the reasons that we didn't have uh, a huge project in the middle of the summer this year is because we both told our wives that 2018 is not gonna be like 2017, we overcommitted. Mm -hmm. But I also knew that it was like, there was so much building that I needed professional help. My mental and emotional health was beginning to suffer. My physical health was beginning to suffer because of my emotional health. And I knew that I needed to talk to somebody about it. So started going to therapy. I'm still in it, still going still going to therapy. It's been incredibly helpful. Sort of the, the one-two punch is beginning to deal directly with some of those issues that I was having coupled with us changing the, our approach to our schedule, which is something we've had to reevaluate multiple times throughout our career, which we, we can get into in a second. Uh, but that's that was my last year. So when I, when I read about these guys burning out, I'm like, I totally relate. Would you, would this you call it a breakdown of a certain sort? And probably as, as big of a breakdown as I have had, yes, personally. I don't think I've had what is a true mental breakdown uh, before, but it was the most significant. Um, the most significant the stress got me worse than it than it ever has. Well, I should say if it if you're going blind, I should say so. Yeah, but that's but that that's I mean that's one of the things I'm dealing with in therapy is like I am so I have a shell that's super independent and super self reliant, so. Um, and I constructed that for reasons that I'm still figuring out. Uh, but one of the ways I, I get through things is I just deny that I'm dealing with something and then it manifests in a different way uh, as opposed to just being honest and saying, I am working too hard. I am tying myself up in this too much. I just, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm fine, I'm fine. I just can't see, can't talk, 
Mm-hmm. Got back problems, stomach problems, lots of digestive things were happening. Um, I'm better. I'm not cured. I'm just, I, don't worry, I am in a much better place uh, than I was in, in because of a combination of therapy and just changes that we've made. Um, I mean, I, yeah. c- I certainly experienced all the same stresses of of being stretched way too thin and feeling like, you know, a lot of it is things that we sign up for creatively that we need to, we feel like we owe it to ourselves to to do it the best we can. Um, so it's not just about meeting audience expectations. Right. But I absolutely, I mean, I remember always being fearful when we would take a break at from good myth, from releasing Good Mythical Morning episodes um, at the end of the year, like right around Christmas time through the beginning of the year, that would correspond with us taking a holiday break, or over the summer when we would take longer breaks, I I would get very very anxious yeah. about not what we were doing, but when we were decided not to do it, you know. So it's it the stress came on both sides. Um, I'm grateful that we did take those breaks, but it was the breaks were just as difficult as working so hard for me because of the anxiety of what's gonna happen? Am I, you know, am I pulling, putting a bullet in, you know, the brain of our uh, performance, you know? Yeah. Are we waving the white flag to some algorithm opponent? You know, it's, it can drive you, it can drive you crazy. I mean, I, I and, felt, and I would feel that a lot. I'd feel that every time we would consider a break and how do we mitigate it? Or let's just, you know, let, but I mean, we, the I do think that we bypassed a lot as as bad as it got, yes. and I mean you just quantified that that was that's really bad, man. Well, and I it, mean, yeah, and I know where you're going. It could have gotten a it, lot worse. It for would us. have been well. First of all, we would have never been in a position to even experience to even say yes to what YouTube asked us to do, and 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 say yes to all those projects that we did last year, um, without a lot of the decisions that we had made uh, that necess- weren't all weren't this great foresight, and some of it was foresight, but a lot of it was just the way that our lives were. And I think this is where we kinda wanna get into some of the things that we have done and continue to do to mitigate this burnout problem in our own lives, in our own careers. Well, I mean, you wanna talk about Good Morning Chia Lincoln first. Sure. I, I think whenever we decided we didn't, you know, putting out one video on our Retin Link channel every month. That was our that was our main strategy, and then we were trying to make a, we're trying to turn our local commercials into a television show. We were trying to get that project off the ground. It eventually became Commercial Kings on IFC, but we didn't know that at the time. And you know, as that was, we we're trying to finagle that and get it going. We decided to do more cons- daily content on our second channel. But we conceptualized it as Good Morning Chia Lincoln. So it was just a talk show. It was basically the Good Good Mythical Morning format, which, I mean, you probably have heard this story a million times of how Chia Lincoln turned into Good Mythical Morning. But we decided to put that Chia Lincoln on the table and check in with the progress. And we said, when the Chia pet dies, Good morning, Chia Lincoln is over. Right. 
and we did that because, well, we thought we were gonna make a show called Commercial Kings and that actually happened. And we thought we were gonna be moving to LA for a certain yeah. amount of time. So that was the main reason we did that. But this, but this, but we used, we create, came up with that creative device because we knew we had to prepare the audience who, who may or may not show up to watch this thing that, hey, if you start liking this thing a lot, it is going to end because, well, we didn't say because we're gonna make a television show. We said because that's just the idea. That's the creative idea that Chia Pet's gonna die. Well, and I, I would, I mean. And so it gave us an out so there wasn't a, uh, like we weren't overwhelmed with frustration well, from we, our audience. Yeah, we didn't wanna we commit to something it. that we were like, I don't know how this is gonna go. This could get old real fast, so let's not let's not overcommit. Yeah, because we were very nervous about doing a daily yeah, video. So, so any, we any, never We never thought about doing like, a daily vlog type thing. We started. We no, were no, doing we, vlogs, but we, we would not do them every day. Yeah. So, and and even though those were very successful, I don't know on YouTube. I don't know how uh, our advice is going to apply to someone who's doing a daily vlog. Yeah, I, I don't think it's advice. It's just what we did. Our experience. I don't know how you can apply our experience to a daily vlog because we would we would never do a daily vlog. We will never do a daily vlog. I will say this conversation is brought to you by Chia Pet. <laughs> Go to ChiaPet. No, it's not it's a sponsor. Not, yeah, it's not a sponsor. The what shirt. This, the what shirt. If this whole not... conversation was just to sell something. It'd be pretty pathetic. That would be sad. Uh, but I, I would say even before that, because because I think one of the most important things you can do to mitigate burnout is scheduling, right? And so this is something that we walked into because of the t how old we were and what our life stage was when we sort of began doing this full time. So we yeah. were already, we've been doing this uh, since 2006, that's 12 years ago. So I was t 28 years old at the time. I already had kids or a kid. We really had no business doing it for that reason. So we were already pretty old. Uh, so you know, we were our, our brains were fully formed, which happens about 26. So we were who we are. Uh, in a lot of ways, we had families, we had structure, we had regular jobs before this. So there was this expectation that you're gonna go from your home to a job for a certain amount of time and you're gonna come back. And so when we made the decision to be full-time YouTubers, it was from the beginning, we were like, we can't do this at the house. This has to be, we gotta find an office. We found a place where we could work in the old basement in Lillington and we went in every single day at a certain time and we came home at a certain day, at a certain time. Again, that wasn't because we anticipated that being a YouTuber was, was gonna be really hard and eventually lead to burnout. It was just, well, this is the structure we have in our families already. So that one sort yeah. of. We have wives and kids that default, we, need to, yeah. we want to see. That one default decision to fit our our entertainment careers into a nine to five essentially, which really, isn't really a nine to five, but you know, it's basically the same every day. Um, that was the smartest unintentional decision we've ever made <laughs> because it didn't spill out too much into something that we were constantly doing or thinking about at home. We weren't sitting there at night at the house editing videos mm -mm. while our kids were not with us or whatever, it was it was contained. Well, we, we worked one late night a week and then sometimes we slept at the office on Thursday night and we we worked all day, all night Thursday and all day Friday and then we came home. But yeah. we at least kept it to that one night. Yeah, and as- That was our commitment. As things continued to build up until where they're at now, 
We've always tried to schedule things incredibly efficiently to fit into a window. Now, we've talked about this before. You've heard us, we've said it in public many times. We do not shoot Good Mythical Morning every single day and we would never, ever be dumb enough to try to do that. We did that with Chia Lincoln. And we did it for 40 days. And then, yeah, (laughs) and we knew we weren't gonna do that again. So we knew we couldn't make Good Mythical Morning topical so that we didn't have to do it every single day. And I'm not saying it would be dumb for somebody to make a video every day. It would be dumb for these two douchebags right here to try to make a video every single day. We know ourselves well enough to know that we would we would kill each other or someone if we tried to do Good Mythical Morning every single day and our and our wives would probably kill us. Yeah, because sometimes we, so we would like, we said, well, we can shoot a we can shoot a handful at a time, and sometimes we would start that, and then the second one wouldn't go well. If we were, let's say we were going to try to shoot three, and like the second one wouldn't go well, and, and when we were in your basement, uh, not basement, when we were in your garage shooting there at that card table, we we get at each other's throats, and then we'd be like, ah, let's just go to lunch, and then we'd go to lunch, and then we'd come back and be like, well, I'm not shooting anything else today. I'm a bit too frustrated. Yeah, well, and you're talking about, because I I wanna get back to the scheduling thing because the other thing that we've done in conjunction with as things have, have gained momentum is as early as we possibly could, we've gotten help. We've shed responsibilities. We stopped editing our show as early as we thought we could to get somebody else to do it because we were just feeling the pressure already. Uh, we, we, right here at this table, we interviewed many content creators who were already successful, who were already making way more than enough money to pay somebody to edit their videos, but still insisted on said edit. I can't do it, I can't give that they up. I said I can't, I, you have to choose. You have to choose between complete creative control or mental health. That may be a controversial statement, but I believe that if you're going to do this for a living, you have to make a choice between those two things. You have to give up some control and get some freaking help. And you can afford it more than you think you can. Even if you're a small time YouTuber, you can afford somebody to come in and help you with certain aspects of your production. Find a way to do it. Your mental health is important enough to make that happen. I do want to, yeah. I want. I want to back that up. I mean, I was looking at uh, Boogie's vlog about this just before coming in here, and he acknowledged. You know, it's it's not just top creators. There's people. There's creators who are living paycheck to paycheck, and if they see from video to video that it's dropped by thousands of views, well, that translates into not not being able to buy groceries. You know, so it's it's freaking scary. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have the luxury of not being at that place anymore, but we were. Yeah. I mean, we were at that place. And it's, you know, so I I just want to acknowledge that that you know, there's there's creators going paycheck to paycheck, but you can't, you know, you can't put a price tag on your on your mental health. Yeah. And I, and, I mean Yeah, go ahead. That was it. Well, in terms of the scheduling thing, Again, I don't know how this translates to somebody like uh, Ninja who streams every single day. He's gotta stream every day because that's his job. That's what he's signed up for. 
I don't think it's it's ultimately sustainable. Uh, there are, but listen, there and we are, to, and we told him that. Yeah, there are. We told we told him what we're just telling you. But we there are like, super people. Take though. care of yourself. But I, so what I will say is, you got okay. Charles Trippy, he's holds the world record for daily vlogs, and uh, I haven't spoken to Charles in a while. But uh, I, I, he's in. He's a very tough. My guy's been through brain surgery. He vlogged it. <laughs> He's a very tough-minded individual, and there are some anomalies who are capable of this kind of thing in the same way that LeBron James is capable of what he is as an athlete, but don't assume that you're LeBron James. Assume that you're somewhat normal, uh, and that's the assumption that we've always made is that I probably have about an average capacity for stress and for the amount of stuff that I can fit into my day. I have to get sleep. I'm not one of these people that can get four hours of sleep. I gotta get seven, eight hours of sleep every night to be healthy. Um, so scheduling has been incredibly important to us. This might blow your mind. This may blow your mind. So if you're doing something that you can schedule, GMM is a daily show, but because it's not uh, live and it's not a daily vlog, it can be scheduled. I believe that our record, there was a time when we shot eight episodes of Good Mythical Morning in one day. Eight oh, episodes yeah. in one day when we were getting ready for a buddy system. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then we <laughs> and then we turned around and then we shot buddy system. It's not, you know, so. It was nuts and then we stopped. It actually wasn't a healthy choice, but. We, but we stopped buddy system and then, <laughs> and then made like 20 more episodes. But it helped prove to us that we can we can clump together episodes in order to then have space in our brains, in our lives, in our professional lives yeah. for other things. We could figure that, we, you know, we started to figure that out. And something that we thought, oh, is, you know, doing, when we started bickering because we couldn't shoot two episodes back to back, well, we, you know, we figured it out. Yeah. We it's, figured it out. So we've done, and, and all when we got qualified people, the mythical crew, and we built that team over time to help us out. And it's something that, you know, we, we tweaked and tweaked and tweaked because we we just continue, we're continually reminded of, okay, hold on, let's stop for a second, let's evaluate. What do we need to change in our production schedule in order to maintain, we're in charge, to maintain our our personal health. We well, Yeah, and the decision difficult. we made is that our health would be a factor, a very significant factor in the scheduling of what we do. We've done over 1400 episodes of Good Mythical Morning. Um, and we do two seasons a year, we do a summer season. There's there's a few weeks in a couple of places around the, the, the year where we're not making content. But I can safely say, at least right now, now the schedule for last season with the multiple segments a day, that was not sustainable. That, no. isn't, that isn't why we didn't continue doing it. We didn't continue doing it because YouTube decided that they didn't wanna keep uh, doing the show in that way, which was fine. Uh, the reason we went back to this current version uh, was because they decided they didn't wanna do the long version. So now it's back to the way it always was, independent, we're completely in charge. And we which is best for us. Best so for us. We're grateful for that. And but we said we are going to approach this in a way that places our health because our health, our emotional, mental health, physical health, all that translates back into our creative potential, 
our ability to to do the things, and first of all, it helps you. You can be a better husband. You can be a better father. All those things are incredibly important. But when you're talking about from a business perspective, we have to have that health in order to be able to do a show that you want to watch, to be able to make a podcast that you want to listen to, to be able to write a book that you want to read, be able to watch a show. That, so those, so, yeah. You know, so I I appreciate, and I just want to applaud every creator who's coming forward and saying, you know what? I am going to take a break or I'm going to you know I'm going to I'm going to make some sort of a change either f- for a few weeks or longer that and I'm not going to apologize for it you know so I applaud everybody who's done that I don't know everybody like but when when Sean did did that 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 was that was great you know in I was watching uh A3A3 Ethan and Ela's one of their recent videos where they said, you know, Ethan said, I'm depressed. I am, this is what I'm working through. This is why I haven't been making content, you know, on our YouTube channel is what he was saying. And I applaud him and everybody who comes forward and says, you know what, I'm making this, this is the healthy decision for me. It, it actually, the flip side of that is it bothers me that it has to be an apologetic tone, you know? I, yeah. I I could just I could I could sense in the way that he was talking that he just felt you know, I mean they were coming off of some other issue with they the, were the they game. were they were beat up about their their video game release and I feel for him related to that and you know it but but then it's like you, you know I just felt sad that there was a tinge of an apologetic tone in saying, hey, I'm doing what's best for me and you as an audience member, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that I can't give you what you want. You know, it's, and I read a lot of the comments and was encouraged that there was a lot of support there and I, you know, I wanna echo that to them. That I think the, the again, I the think majority the, the majority was very positive of, at of that fans point. Are, are, are very, very supportive, supportive. Um, yeah. but they also a lot of people don't realize a lot of fans don't realize how the expectations that they placed on creators has contributed to this problem. It's and, and it's a it, it's almost unfair for them to expect. But I think that's I, I think there is an application for fans because you do now understand you've heard it from so many different people that there is this unrealistic expectation. Uh, that you will be given exactly what you want when you want it from everyone you want it from, and it comes it comes at a cost to the health of the creators who are giving that to you. Yeah, before that's a factor. Before the internet, everything was seasons. Like I'm so grateful that we called Good Mythical Morning seasons because we knew we were going home to see family for a break and we weren't going to make videos because we weren't going to be together. So we started calling them seasons. But like all these gamers and vloggers and creators it's just like an an endless commitment and it's ridiculous i mean it's a ridiculous expectation um and so if you i was telling Sean I was like just call him seasons i don't know i you know i wanted to help him so badly but he he's helping himself he doesn't need my help but just to shift gears here because you know we're we're rounding the final turn i think the question is what what role does YouTube have to play? What is our opinion yeah. about how much of this is YouTube's fault or 
is on YouTube to fix because a lot of the articles that are out there now. So YouTube's not doing enough about it. YouTube's not doing enough. This I, th- I, That I, Verge article um, being the most recent one. I have a um, potentially unpopular opinion about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I've got, okay. So. We may agree. Is this YouTube's fault? Well, yes, in one sense, but is it YouTube's responsibility to fix the problem of burnout? Now, to their credit, they have addressed it publicly. Several different people, several different employees have talked about it. I mean, they, they got like a, they've got videos from Katie Morton who they put on one of their official channels, um, which was which are helpful. And and there, well, and like Robert Kinsel said, you can take a break. You will not be penalized. There's plenty of examples of uh, people taking breaks and coming back and not suffering a loss in views. You, you're you're not really algorithm doesn't punish you. Okay, I don't want to get into the ins and outs of the algorithm, but I ultimately want, what I want to say is. YouTube is going to be in the business one way or another of rewarding engagement. There's just no other way that this works, people. Automatically. I mean, it, it's it this like whole with thing AI. This whole thing is driven by getting more people to watch more videos so they can see more ads so Google can make more money. That is for better or worse in this particular economy, that is how this system works and it's not going to change anytime soon. So they can make some changes, they can offer resources, they can uh, tweak the algorithm so it doesn't penalize you, but the responsibility of handling this problem is not on YouTube, it is on you as a creator. You are ultimately responsible. Plan, hope for the best, plan for the worst. Hope that YouTube will do something that will help this problem so you can confidently take breaks and worry about your own mental health but don't plan on it. What you need to do is to take your life into your own hands and your schedule into your own hands and your business into your own hands and make some decisions that put you first. Uh, put your mental health first. And listen, I don't wanna, I, we may- Because what is YouTube supposed to do? I mean- I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't know that business. I don't know how it works. And so I want YouTube to do everything that they can to be helpful and I, and I hope that they will, but that's- It's I'm, in their best interest too. I'm not laying the blame or the responsibility on them. They need to show up in, in the way that they can, but you can't wait around for YouTube to change something so then you can change something about yourself. You, you have to make those changes first in yourself. And I just wanna say quickly, okay, we're, I'm, I especially, I have a tendency to get preachy. I apologize for that. I'm not saying that we've got this figured out. I just told you that in within the calendar year, I had physical problems, thought I was going blind and had to go to therapy. I don't have this figured out. We got lucky. We made a lot of decisions by default based on other life circumstances. We're just telling you what we learned. I'm not saying that you have to do this. I'm not saying that if you do this, it's gonna be okay. I'm not saying that we're never gonna have another burnout. Um, it could happen tomorrow. All I'm saying is that this is what our experience has told us, and I do feel strongly that my mental health is my responsibility. And so I have to get off my ass and take responsibility for it. Now it took people, it took physical problems. It took my wife 
saying you have to go to therapy, but ultimately I had to make the decision to actually do it myself. Uh, so I don't think that we should be, la- I don't think we should be just sitting around wait, twiddling our thumbs waiting for YouTube to do something about this. That's all I'll say. I, I don't, I, I, I think they can do their part just like hopefully we're contributing to a change in cultural expectations of the audience. Like I appreciate you listening as a, a YouTube viewer and maybe that changes the type of comment that you would leave when a creator disappoints you with taking a break or you know, just to be very or specific. Or take, takes a break without apologizing or without letting you know. Mm-hmm. Be sympathetic. You never know what's going on. And and for the, for the creators, the other thing I'd add is that yeah, yeah, you have to get to a place where, first of all, being a successful YouTuber does not equal happiness. I am not happier now than I was 12 years ago before we started this. Success and happiness are largely unrelated. All, every single, all the research, all the science points to the fact that you basically return to your default baseline happiness after all kinds of different life life circumstances. Lottery winners very quickly return back to a baseline happiness that they were before they won the lottery. And YouTubers who experience sudden or long-term success return back to the same baseline happiness because your happiness is not dependent upon success. So if you're thinking that being recognized and being relevant is gonna lead to happiness, you're just plain wrong. Uh, So I think that you know, happiness comes from being in healthy relationships, from serving people, from worrying about your own mental health, from taking breaks, from not, there's lots of different things that actually do contribute to happiness, and those are things that you can do whether you're a YouTuber or not. Um, but if you are a content creator, if those things are not present in your life, and the only thing is this complete lie that we all believe, that if more people like me, if I break that number of subscribers that I set up as this as this altar, I will be happy. You will not be happy. You will be less happy if you begin looking for happiness and things that are completely outside of your control. When, when Felix released his video months ago about this, you know, his conclusion was, so as a creator, if we're talking to creators at this point, just do, you know, just create things that you're passionate about, stay engaged. Mm. Uh, of course I agree with that. But I also think that when you're running a business, like starting your own restaurant or wherever it is, at a certain point, you're also trying to make a living. And so I think that you've still gotta, you, you gotta factor in, you gotta factor in your mental health and your quality of life separate from your content and your relationship with your audience, what you were saying, and then do things to to mitigate the the ways that your videos may perform, your channel may perform poorly when you take breaks mm-hmm. for your own health. And so I do think that YouTube can continue to equip uh, creators to make sound business decisions in that way. And yeah. it's like, okay, can you, can, can you, can you, here's case studies. Like, I mean, we presented our uh, Good Mythical Morning as a case study. Hey, we bat shoot. Sometimes we did eight, extremely, we did eight 
episodes in a day. You know, these type of things, like just trying to still make as much money as you can. It's not just about being a pure artist and having to, okay, I the the way for me to be healthy is to only make things for myself that people just as a, by chance as a byproduct enjoy. You know, let, let's also say it is a business, you're a business owner and you've gotta, you know, you've gotta, you gotta make sound business and personal decisions together and that's a component of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and, it, and you will get burned out. Assume that it's going to happen and how do you turn the corner when it happens and, and head it off at the pass so it doesn't happen uh, in an extreme fashion. Yeah, and when you, listen, when you get help, you have to worry about those people getting burned out too. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's something that we have to think about with uh, with the people who work on the Mythical Crew is, you know, are we are we spreading them too thin? Are, are we asking too much of any one individual? Um, so it's just something you, yeah, it, it, it's so easily set aside because it does, it's, you can't, because you can't put a price on it, you can't put a price on it. You know, you cannot quantify mental health in, as, as, a, as a dollar sign, um, as a dollar amount, but. And we wrestle with it. I mean, in, in conclusion, that it's there's not an absolute conclusion. We wrestle with it every week. Yesterday we were talking, I literally said yesterday in just the private conversation between the two of us, I was like, you know, we've we've continued to make changes to our production schedule in order to give us more room to like, if we wanted to go surfing, you know, I think we talked about it on this podcast um, when we were coming out of that horrible time. It's like we're trying to create more space for to get creatively energized by doing things just for the fun of it. Yeah. And I said yesterday, I was like, as much changes as we've made even since then, drastic ones to our production schedule, we're still hard pressed to find time time for ourselves. And it's yeah. like, and so we continue to fight for it. And it's, and it's a result of success. So I'm very grateful for that at this point in our careers. Um, but I'm just making the point that it's a constant battle and you gotta be aggressive about it. You gotta get ahead of it. So, good luck with that. <laughs> yep, that's appropriate. This is all just to sell this mug. It ah, says good luck with that, available at mythical.store. That's what we were doing. So if you don't time. remember anything, <laughs> remember our, our you would, store website. You would greatly relieve my stress if you would go and buy one of these mugs. No, 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 don't, forget I said that, forget I'm I said sending, that. I'm sending out love to all YouTube creators and dedicated fans who support them. You do your mm. thing mm. until you need to stop for a little bit. Yeah. Both of you. Don't be ashamed. Hashtag your biscuits. We'll speak at you next week, um, give you an update on what we've found. Where is, are we finding our corner of YouTube that we can enjoy? You know, it's ironic how in, I'll save it for next week, yeah, but yeah. I'll just say it's another podcast. You know, we're we're so <laughs> invested in this, yet we're like, we'll talk about it next yeah, week. Yeah. But it's hashtag ironic. Ear Biscuits. Let us know. Let's keep the conversation going. Yeah, 